1. Ephesians chapter 1. Read verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him, chose us in Christ. When did he do this? Before the foundation of the world. And the reason is that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We see here in these verses, God the Father chose us. We're going to read now, the Son redeemed us, and then the Holy Spirit takes the things of God and applies it to our heart in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom, in Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Notice this little statement here that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted, verse 13, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of of his glory. There in verse 12, who first trusted in Christ. I heard someone speak on this several years ago, and then I'd never thought about it. Most of the time we just read over. But who's he talking about there? Who is the one, the who, and who first trusted in Christ? Like I said, many years ago, I heard a quote from Brother Robert Hawker. If you've never seen his devotion, morning and evening devotions, you need to get one. It's, it's excellent. Uh, he's actually even been criticized because they said he saw Christ where Christ was not. Christ is in all the scriptures, and you can't never see him enough, but that's what he does, always does, glorify Christ. But he preached the gospel for nearly 50 years. 
And on the last day of his life, April the 6th, 1827, almost 200 years ago, Mr. Hawker quoted those verses or read this passage that I just read to you. And when he got to verse 12, he paused and he said, Who first trusted in Christ? Who is it that first trusted in Christ? The word who. It is written in the plural because it refers to the entire Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all trusted, first trusted in Christ. And that word, two words, trusted in, implies an action completed in the past something that's already completed, once and for all, not needing to ever to be repeated. Who first trusted once and for all in Christ? In Christ. We know the scriptures speak of this everlasting covenant, both there in verse 5 and then on over in verse 11, both speak of predestination what God decreed beforehand. And in old eternity, if we want to use those terms, in the everlasting covenant of grace, God chose Christ and God trusted in Christ for all the salvation of all his people for all time. In Hebrews 13, 20, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. When I was in religion, I heard of the Nomaic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Adamic covenant, but I never, for 20-some years, probably longer than that, ever heard anybody ever make any reference to an everlasting covenant. And all the other covenants stem from this covenant right here that God made with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed in the book of Genesis that it says, let us make God, let make man in our own image? Who is the us? Well, they're the only us they were was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He entered into a covenant with his darling son on behalf of his people before the world was ever made. Will you just let that sink in just for a minute? Before the world was ever made, God chose a people. He wrote their names down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And in John 17, he gave those people to Christ. He entrusted all the elect, all the sheep of God, he entrusted them to his Son. And his son entered into covenant with the father, and he guaranteed, that's what we're going to see, that all that were given unto him, he has responsibility to save every one of them. To save every one of them. And on our behalf, it's an unconditional covenant. He said, I will love them freely. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, before they had done any good or evil, 
They've not done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand. God chose a people. Why, he set his love upon those people. He chose them. And on our behalf, he said, I'll love them freely. I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. But the only condition of the covenant, all the blessings that were promised in this covenant were based upon the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Adam disobeyed. He fell. But Christ, before the world was ever made, he agreed to be fully obedient unto God's law, and he agreed to die in the place of his people to satisfy justice. And the Father said, I trust you with these people. You imagine that. I trust you with all these people. I trust you to save them. I trust you to bring them. I trust you to keep them. Why did Adam not go to hell the very moment he disobeyed God? Because God had provided a redeemer before the world was ever made. God had done entered into a contract, a covenant. Our Lord shall not fail. There's still people out there that he's going to bring, and he shall not fail to get them. He's going to bring them, and he will use whatever means he sees fit to bring them. I know he will use the gospel, but this world serves his purpose. I hope you read the the article on the scaffold. The scaffolding's only used to build the house, and when the the house is done, you take down the scaffolding. Everything in this world is just scaffolding, just used to build God's house, and when he's finished with it, he'll tear it down. It's funny, we watched something on the news last night, you know, where the, they've had such uh, severe weather with this the winter and the cold winds. It showed this scaffold beside this building. Here come this wind. You know what it did? It just blowed it over. It wasn't sturdy. It just served a purpose. Now it's gone. When God says he's done with the scaffolding, he just blows and it blows it over. There's not the slightest danger or possibility of any failure. He shall not fail. He shall not be discovered. Consider my servant. But this is the Father trusting him. God the Father gave all, all of them, chosen of God, gave them to Christ. He gave him a people. I remember seeing a man one time, he he was given an invitation, what religion calls an altar call. He said, why don't you, and he had a, a, a little thing there with a, with a book on it, open, like a notebook. And he said, why don't you come down here and let God write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Like this is something that happens afterward. I read there, but he, he predestinated something. He predetermined that somebody's going to be saved and they're going to be saved. It's not an afterthought. All the sheep are in the hands of the shepherd. I thought about David. I could see Jesse say, now, David, I'm trusting you to take care of these sheep. I'm trusting you. I want you to bring them all back to, back home tonight. And David says, okay, you can trust me. And we find out one day, David said, one day there was a bear come out. And David killed that bear to save them sheep. There was a lion came out, and he killed that lion and saved those sheep. He's out there by himself. But you know what? You know, when he come home that evening, all the sheep were there. He trusted him. And all God's sheep 
are going to be brought in. Even It's like we think about Lot. Who is our brother? He's our brother. I know we use him a whole lot, but he's our brother. He's going to be there. He's already there. God vexed his, he vexed his righteous soul when the Lord brought him out. Turn to John chapter 6, verse 37. Before the world was made, Christ volunteered to become our surety. A long time before we ever trusted him, who first trusted? John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I came down from heaven, not, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all, you want to know the Father's will, that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up at the last day. You know what that is? That's called good news. You know what that's called? That's called the gospel. All that the Father gave him, they're coming. And he said, this is the will of God, that all which he's given me, I should lose nothing. He's got to fulfill the Father's will. It's the Father's will that all that he decreed to be saved, to be saved. That's his will. They're going to be saved? Well, sure. People say, not, God's not willing that anybody should perish. Well, if he was not willing that any of God, Adam's fallen creatures be saved or be lost, none of them would ever be lost. He's not willing that any of his elect be lost, and none of them will be. Isn't it amazing how people twist it? Why do they do that? Number one reason. They want to take away from the glory of the one that God trusted. They don't trust him, and they don't trust him because God's never opened their eyes. If God ever gives you sight and the ability to trust him, you'll trust him. And you know why you trust him? Because God trusted him first. Can you trust him? The Father trusted him. What did he trust him with? Everything. It's like when Abraham sends for, to get a bride for Isaac and the servant goes down there and you always said, Abraham's, my master's a rich man. But everything he's got, he's given to his son Isaac. Our God owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but he's given it all to his son. And you know, whatever the son has, we have. You think about it when Ruth just showed up on Boaz's field. She didn't know the owner of the field, but eventually when she marries the owner of the field, everything he has is hers. And why was Ruth saved? God chose her. God sent a famine so they would go down, and death came in Moab, but he brought Ruth out. And she's in the lineage of our Lord. John 10, 16, and other sheep I have, that's talking about us, talking about us Gentile dogs, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there'll be one fold and one shepherd. And what I can say, you can trust that. He's going to bring them. I trust him. If you're his, in due time, he'll bring him. But then we say, in whom, in whom you trusted, after you heard the word of truth, at the appointed time of love, at the appointed time of God's mercy and grace, he will call you with irresistible grace, and you're coming. 
He will make you willing in the day of his power. Now, I know you're not willing by nature. You will never come. He'll make you willing. And you had to hear the gospel, and all of a sudden, you believed. And whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth. Now, you know what this was? You know what you trusted in? The gospel. It's the gospel of your salvation. It's not just Paul's salvation or Danny's salvation or Joe's salvation. It's the gospel of your salvation. I can't trust God for you, but God enables you to trust him. But I tell you, look to Christ. Trust him. Trust him for what? For everything. For everything. A Jesus who tries to save but can't do so without the consent of men that's just a figment of men's imagination. We have trust and faith in the same one. Listen to me. We trust the same one the Father trusts. If you're trusting some other Jesus than the one the Father trusted, you're trusting it. It's just a figment of your imagination. It's another Jesus. It's what it is. Our surety. Christ become our surety. Hebrews 7, 22, but so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. What is a surety? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you from the scriptures. If you would, turn to Genesis chapter 42. So you'll know the story. The Jacob's sons have already went down to Egypt. Joseph was already there, and it was because of Joseph why they was corn, why they was... Uh, Storehouses filled with corn, with food. And there's a famine, and Jacob sends his boys down to Egypt to buy corn. And Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize Joseph. And he speaks hard, harshly to them. And he says, they're just come down to spy out the land. And he asked them, he said, uh, do you have any more brothers? Yeah, we got one more at home. Is your daddy still living? Yeah, daddy's still living. Oh, really? And... He said, I don't think you boys is telling me the truth. So here's why I'm going, to, I'm going to keep Simeon, which is one of the brothers. I'm going to put him over here in jail, and you will not see my face. Don't you even dare to come down here till you bring that other brother you spoke about, Benjamin. You say his name is Benjamin. Unless you bring Benjamin down here to Egypt, you ain't getting no corn. Well, they get what they've got come for. Simeon's left, and they come back. And they have to tell their daddy. They said, their daddy said, you gave him any corn? Yeah. Where's Simeon at? He's still down there in Egypt. Why is he down there in Egypt? Said so that man down there in Egypt spoke roughly to us. And he said, Daddy, eventually this corn's going to run out. And he said, we can't go back without Benjamin. Why didn't he send Benjamin with them boys the first time? I don't think he trusted them. You know, he, Jacob's not stupid. He had to have known something, that them boys had something to do with the disappearance or death of Joseph. And he said, I ain't, I ain't not sending him. We'll starve to death before I send Benjamin. And here we see in Genesis 42, verse 36, And Jacob their father said unto him, Me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Joseph's not here. Simeon is not here. And will you take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. And why he loved Benjamin? Benjamin was born when he was born. 
his mother died, Rachel, giving birth to Benjamin. And Jacob loved Rachel. And he loved Benjamin. He loved him. He didn't want anything to happen to this boy. And Reuben spake. Reuben, you know what his name means? He's unstable as water. Reuben said to his father, Slay, Reuben spake to his father, he said, Kill my two sons. If I bring not to thee, deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him unto thee again. Reuben says, You give me Benjamin, and if I don't bring him back, you can kill my two sons. Now, how would that atone for the death of Benjamin? It won't. Reuben didn't understand what it was to be a surety. He's going to guarantee the safe, safe return of Benjamin by the death of his two sons. What did Jacob say? And he said, my son's not going down with you, Benjamin. I mean, Reuben. For his brother, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he is left alone. If mischief befall him, by the way, in which you go, if something happens to him, then shall you bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. He said, I couldn't stand to live without Benjamin. I can't let you take him. You know what basically he's saying? I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And he didn't trust him. But look in chapters 43, verse 8. Reuben can't be the surety. Reuben can't guarantee that he would bring Benjamin back. But someone else speaks up. Judah. Oh, why Judah? Our Lord's the line of the tribe of Judah. Judah, a picture of Christ. And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me. And we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. There ain't nobody going to die. You're not going to have to kill two of my sons. I, I will be surety for Benjamin. Of my hand shall thou require him. If I bring him not to thee, set him before and set him before thee, let me bear the blame forever. He says, Father, he said, You give me Benjamin. I'll take him to Egypt and I'll bring him back, and I guarantee you nothing will happen to that boy. He said, If I don't bring him back, I'll bear the blame. You know what he said? He said, You take him. He wouldn't trust Benjamin with Reuben, but he trusted Benjamin with Judah. And read the story. You know who brought him back? Judah did. Can you not see the father Jacob said, it's hard. He's going he's to give the dearest thing in the world is Benjamin. And he said, Judah, you bring him back. And see, Lord said, this is the most precious thing I have. It's the bride, and I'm giving her to you. And he says, Father, I guarantee you I'll bring her back. And if I don't, if I can't bring one of them back, I will bear the blame for all eternity. I think it was, a, I don't remember exactly how it went, but John Jasper was a man who lived back during the Civil War. He was a black man. 
Lord showed him mercy and opened his eyes and called him to preach. And he said, somebody said, John Jasper, he said, what if you don't make it to glory? He says, well, I'll lose, but God will lose more. He said, if I don't make it to glory, I'll lose my, my soul. I will perish forever, but God will lose his glory. God will lose his honor. That's trust. They all have to be there. He said, I don't know much, but if I don't make it, he said, yeah, I'll lose my soul, but he'll lose his glory. He, you know what? He, he hangs all his glory. It's a nail in a short place. It all hangs on one person, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's our surety, our surety. What is a surety? I've tried to illustrate it, show you there from the scriptures. But a surety is one who approaches one person on behalf of the other person. He's a representative man who lays himself under obligation to another person for the one he represents. Judah's representing Benjamin to his father. Christ do near to the father on our behalf. And laid himself, you think about this, under obligation for us. A surety is one who strikes hands with another in solemn agreement. And suretyship to a man of honor, it's a voluntary bondage. He agrees to do this. Proverbs 6, 1 and 2, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. If you say, I'll do this, you're bound. Nobody forced our Lord. He volunteered. He said, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it. No man takes my life from me. It's just what Christ did is our surety. Before the world was made. You know, we read that in our minds. It's just that's, that's beyond us. And to think, why would he do that? Why would, God pick, why would God pick you? He chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That no flesh glory in his sight. Not many wise, not many nobler. Why did, why did he call the Davids? Why, look at Judah. Look at the mess Judah made in Genesis 38. Just look at them. Look at the ones. That, look at Ruth. Look at Tamar. Just look at them. Why? Grace. Grace. Chose them. She's mine. When I passed by you, it was a time of love, and I said, live. You know what he said about that baby? Nobody even swallowed it. Nobody washed it in salt to clean it up. Nobody. But he said, when I passed by, it was a time of love, and I said, live. I said, Live. <laughs> How did Christ become our surety? Now listen, with men assured, and here's where men miss it. It's, it's not a cosigner who is jointly responsible for someone else, just like if Jeffrey came to him and he said, Mike, I want to go get down here and get me a loan, but they won't give it to me on my signature because I don't have enough credit. They basically say they don't trust him. That's basically it. And Jeffrey said, would you cosign with me? Well, what I'm co-signing is he better make the payments 
Because if he don't, they're going to come and get me, and I don't want to have to make any payments. That's not a surety. It's not that I'll help Jeffrey out if Jeffrey misses a payment or two. No, I take full responsibility. It's just like I say, Jeffrey, don't worry about it. They don't trust you. I'll take care of the loan. I'll pay for the whole thing. And I will be surety for that for Jeffrey. You see the difference? Men think it's just a cosigner. Jesus ain't no cosigner. He ain't no co-pilot. He's no co-nothing. He's Lord. He's Lord. I'll pay the debt. I'll pay the debt. Now watch this. He took full responsibility for you. So that means he took full responsibility for your sins. Before the world was ever made, God the Father laid on Christ all the sins of his people. And I want you to get this. This is hard for us to understand or even to grasp. But God never looked to you for nothing. I know we're sinners. But you know who he looked to? He looked to Christ. He didn't look to you to try to satisfy part of the law. He looked to Christ. Who's going to put away my sin? Christ. What about all those in the Old Testament? How were they saved? Looking to Christ. Looking to him. They all died in faith, not having received the promises, but they saw them afar off and were, were persuaded of them. And they embraced them. And they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Earth, for they that say such things declare plainly they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for God hath prepared for them a city. Now, I know we, when we think about that, we think about literal cities or something. That city's Christ. Abraham said, I'm looking for a city. I'm not looking for a city upon, I'm looking for him. He's the city. He's the new Jerusalem. They looked for They embraced it. How? Faith. How? How were they saved? They trusted. Who did they trust in? They're not trusting in a sacrifice. That could never move, remove one sin. They're trusting in the one God trusted in. That's what salvation is. You trusting in the one in whom? Who first trusted in Christ? God did. And salvation is when you hear that and then God enables you to trust him too. Trust him. The question is, do I trust him? Trust him. Trust and obey for there's no other way. Trust. Trust. You know, sometimes people wonder, what those Old Testament saints saints understood, you know, they you know he said he preached a gospel unto them just like he did you. He preached a gospel to them in the wilderness. He preached it through pictures and types, and they had how were they saved? They trusted. David trusted, just like Ruth. She said, her sister in law done went back home, went back to her false gods, and she told Naomi. She said, "Your gods." My God, your people's my people, and where you die, that's where I'll die. And all she can see is an old widow woman that has nothing. 
But that one day she come back and Naomi said, where have you been gleaning today? Well, they said his name was Boaz. Oh, my goodness. You know what? She could trust Boaz. She said, whatever he tells you to do, you can trust him. And you know what Boaz told her? He told Ruth. He said, Ruth, don't you worry about a thing. I'm going to save you. I'm going to marry you, and I'm going to make you my wife. Don't you worry about me. You go home and lay down, and you can sleep. You don't have to worry about anything. You can trust me. Did he take care of me? Sure did. I can tell you this morning, you can trust him. You can trust him. Here's what Job said. Now, when did Job live? Well, I, I don't know for sure. I know most people say Job was the oldest book in the, in the Scriptures. Well, what did this man know? He knew somebody. That's what he knew. I know, Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day. He's going to stand one day upon this earth. And though after my skin, after worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. That sounds like trust. Trust. Whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed in me. I'm going to see him. He said, another place he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. What did he agree to do is our surety. He agreed to meet and perfectly fulfill all our responsibilities to God. Every one of them. He didn't assume part of our responsibility. He become absolutely responsible for his people in everything. And he worked out. He perfectly satisfied the law. He worked out a righteousness for his people. And he gave us his perfect righteousness. How did he earn it? He earned the right by perfect obedience. He come, he was the willing, he's the bond slave. He's the, the willing, loving bond servant. And he was responsible. And he said when he got ready to die, it is finished. Christ is our surety, agreed to bring all his elect safely home. Can't you just see when when all when when Benjamin and all of them come back from from Egypt and Simeon's with them. Simeon's with them. Benjamin's with them. And when he sees when he sees the camels you know, I think that's probably pretty nice to see the camels. But you know what he was looking for more than anything? He was looking for Ben 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 And when he sees his son, then he sees you. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. He chose us in Christ, redeemed us in Christ, sealed us, put us in Christ, and we're kept. Because of our Lord, we are blessed in heavenly places. And we have been blessed from all eternity. And let me close with verse 13. 
who first trusted in Christ and whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, believed and trusted, and the reason you believed and trusted is because he gave you life, because he set you apart. And when he's seen fit, he said, they're coming. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What promise? In Acts, he said, you tarry in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. What's the promise of the Father? He's going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit come to indwell his church to send them into all the world to preach the gospel, to do what? Save his elect. And then within about three chapters, you know how many I know we saved? It says 8,000 souls. <laughs> These are my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And if you're his sheep, you're going to hear his voice. And you'll come. And the Father will keep you. And he'll bring you. And he's, he's, guaranteed, he's guaranteed it. You know, like a guarantee. <laughs> he guaranteed it. He guarantees it. And he, you know what? He said, I'll see to it. <laughs> I pray God.